Hi, everyone. My name is Kyle Knapp, and I'm joined by my colleague, James Sirewinning. We are both software developers at Amazon Web Services, where we primarily focus on developing Python-based client-side tooling for AWS. So projects that we work on include the AWS CLI, the AWS SDK for Python, also known as Boto3, and AWS Chalice, which is a Python serverless micro-framework for AWS. And today, we're going to be covering the next major version of the AWS CLI, the AWS CLI v2. I'm going to start with the main content, and James will join us later to do some demos. So let's go ahead and start with an overview of the AWS command line interface. The AWS CLI is a tool that allows you to interact with the various different AWS services and manage your AWS resources from the command line. It's supported on Linux, Mac, and Windows, and supports over 200 top-level commands that roughly translates to AWS services it supports. And for those of you who haven't used the AWS CLI before, here's a sample AWS CLI command. It's uh, describing our particular Amazon EC2 instance, and the general pattern that most CLI commands follow is they're broken up into three parts. There's a service command representing which AWS service you're about to use. There's the operation command representing the API call to the service you're using. Generally, the operation commands map one-to-one -one with available APIs in the service. And the final part is the parameters. So these are the parameters that you're providing to the API call. So the AWS CLI v2 now is the next major version of the AWS CLI. It's currently in developer preview. We recommend downloading it, installing it, and trying it out. However, we do not recommend using it in a production environment quite yet, as we may make backwards incompatible changes between now and when we make AWS CLI v2 generally available. However, for the most part, the AWS CLI v2 is backwards compatible with CLI v1. So if you have a script or workflow that you use with v1, it is most likely going to work with v2. And in addition to some of these minor in, uh, backwards incompatible changes that we're making, we're also adding new features to the ABUS CLI v2. And throughout the talk, we'll be using this v2 sign to indicate if a feature is a v2-only feature. So in terms of the new features that we're adding to the ABUS CLI v2, they can group, be grouped into three categories. There's uh, improvements to installation and configuration, new features related to command I.O., and also, we've made the AWS CLI v2 more interactive through interactive features. And for the rest of the talk, we're going to be covering the new features for each of these categories, starting with installation and configuration. So in terms of the new features relating to installing and configuring the AWS CLI, we've added new installers, new configuration commands to make it even easier to configure the AWS CLI, and also added support for new credential support, uh, sources, specifically support for AWS single sign-on as a credential source. So in order to install uh, v2, there's two different options. There's the executable installer for Mac and Linux and the MSI installer for Windows. The executable installer is a v2-only feature and is meant to replace some of the v1 installation mechanisms, specifically installing the AWS CLI through pip and the bundled installer. And the way the executable installer works is it's a zip file containing a pre-built executable of the CLI. 
And inside this zip file is an install script that you can run, and it'll move this pre-built executable to the right location on your system. And when you're running these executable installers, you need to, make, you need to pay attention to what operating system you're running on. So if you're running on Mac, you want to download the Mac version of the executable installer, and if you're running on Linux, you're gonna want to download the Linux version of the executable installer. And then for the MSI installer, it's very similar to the v CLI V1's version of the MSI installer. So one important property of these installers is that they're pre-built for an operating system. And this is important because it gives us two advantages. Specifically, there's less system dependencies you need, on, need in order to install the AWS CLI. For example, the AWS CLI V2 is written in Python, but it doesn't require Python on your system in order to install like it is required for some installation mechanisms of the AWS CLI V1. The second benefit is that the installation is self-contained. So you're not installing any additional dependencies come install time. And also you don't have to worry about other system dependencies affecting your system installed uh, version of the CLI V2. For example, if you have a Python package installed system-wide, it won't affect your installation of CLI V2 because it was, it was written in Python. Another important note about these installers, while the CLI V2 is in developer preview, the installers will create the executable, the executable under the name AWS2 instead of AWS. And the reason why we did this is so you can have V1 and V2 installed side by side, so you can try out V2 without clobbering your current version of the CLI v1 installed in your system. And once you have the CLI v2 installed, the next step you're gonna to wanna to do is configure it. So there's two commands that I'd recommend using. There's the configure command. So this will just give you a basic prompt for some basic information on how to uh, get the CLI up and running. So I'll ask you for your access key, your seeker key, and your region. There's also the configure wizard command. So this is a guided prompt through all the different setup options you have with the CLI v2 and asks you for the proper values to get the setup that you want. And this is a v2 only feature. So now I'm gonna hand it over to James and he's gonna demo uh, the getting started experience with these new installers in the configure wizard command. Thanks Kyle. So I'm gonna walk through setting up CLI v2 on a Linux instance. So here I'm on the user guide for AWS CLI v2, and down below here there's the various links to download the CLI v2 based on what platform you're on. So I'm gonna select the Linux or Unix page, and then there's a link here for downloading CLI v2. There's also some other instructions here if you wanted to verify the signature of the zip file. But what I'm gonna do now is SSH onto an EC2 instance here, and then I'm gonna download CLI. So once that's downloaded, I'm going to unzip it. And there is the AWS CLI that's included, as well as an install script. So to install the CLI, I'm just gonna run this install script. And now I have the CLI v2 installed. And we can verify that by running version. And because I have it on my path, I can just run AWS2 dash dash version. So that's all I need to install a CLI v2 on a Linux instance. Now I'm gonna look at how I can configure the CLI v2. 
So because I've launched this EC2 instance with an IAM role, I already have credentials configured, and we can look at that by running the configure list command. And we can see that I have credentials from my IAM role. And we can also note that my region is configured from pulling the instance metadata service. In this case, my EC2 instance is, on, is in US West 2. So I don't actually have to do anything to configure the CLI v2 when I'm on an EC2 instance. I'm able to make an API call so we can call the get caller identity command. And we can see here that I'm using this assumed role for my EC2 instance role. So now what I want to do is configure an additional profile where I'm going to assume a different role. I want to assume a role that's going to give me S3 read-only access. So I can use one of the commands that Kyle mentioned in the slides, which is this new configure wizard command. And what this is going to do is guide me through a couple of questions on what I want to set up. So in this case, I'm going to select assume role because I want to assume a different role here. It's going to ask me the name of the profile, so I'll just say uh, S3 read-only. And now what it's going to do is give me a list of roles that I can assume. So it's making an API call here to provide me with a list of roles. I'm going to select this S3 read-only role. And the next it's going to ask me what source type I want to use. So because this is just an assume role call, I do need to have a source credentials when I make that call. And I have a couple of options here. Now because I'm on an EC2 instance, I'm going to select the Amazon EC2 instance metadata choice. And at this point, it's configured everything for me. So I can run this AWS STS get caller identity command again. And then this time I can provide this profile name that I just created, which is S3 read only. And we can see that now I'm using this assumed role, S3 read only role. And we can also verify now that in my config file here, which is where all these values are written, it's set up this profile for me to use the correct role ARN, and I didn't have to write any of that myself. So at this point, I'm all ready to go. I can now use the AWS CLI v2 on a Linux instance. And now I'm going to hand it back to Kyle to cover a couple of other credential uh, sources for CLI v2. Thanks, James. So uh, James just showed one of the different types of setups you can have for the CLI, specifically having an IAM role and getting temporary credentials from it. However, the CLI supports many different types of ways to source credentials. Uh, you can provide environment variables. You can set configuration files. So uh, this is what the configure and configure wizard command are writing out to when they're setting your configuration. This CLI will also uh, source credentials from the underlying ABIS service. So like in the demo, uh, we are able to pull credentials from the instance metadata service because we are running on an Amazon EC2 instance. Furthermore, uh, the CLI will pull container credentials if you're running in an Amazon ECS container. And for the most part, if you're in a development environment where you're creating new resources, updating resources, or doing some introspection on them, you're typically going to be using configuration files. But for most of the setups uh, needed for configuration files, you usually need static credentials. And while static credentials, they're convenient in the sense you don't have to refresh them or you don't have to re-authenticate in order to use them, they are not ideal from a security standpoint because these credentials never expire. And one popular solution to make it even easier to get credentials into a development environment is to use a service called AWS Single Sign-On. So AWS SSO allows you to manage access to all of your AWS accounts. 
And you do this by setting up an SSO directory where you create users and you create groups and you assign these users to these groups. And once you have your directory set up, you can go ahead and assign permissions to users or groups. And with the AWS CLI, uh, we've integrated with AWS SSO, so all you have to do is log into your SSO profile or portal and then be able to access the accounts through the CLI. So let's go talk about how this works. Uh, so let's say you have this setup where you're using AWS organizations. It's a service that lets you manage your AWS accounts. And you have an AWS SSO directory set up where you have three users. You have user A, user B, user C. And let's say you also have a group called admin group and you have user B and user C in it. And from here, you can go ahead and start assigning permissions. So you can give view only permissions for user A into account one. You can give a group permissions uh, to a set of accounts. So here we're giving administrator permissions for admin group to account two and account three. And what this allows is that any user inside of this group also has this permission. So user B and user C will have administrator permissions. So now the way it works with the CLI in getting uh, credentials is that it will make a request to AWS SSO to obtain a registration. SSO will return information back that allow the CLI to auto-open a browser on your behalf. And the user can again go type in their username and password. And while the user is doing this, the AWS CLI v2 will consistently be pulling the SSO API to see when the user is done authenticating. And once the user has successfully entered the username and password, SSO will return an access token for the user that just signed in. For our case, it's user B. And with this access token, the CLI will cache it and then make assume roll calls to the various accounts that you have access to. So uh, because we're under user B, we can assume, now assume an administrator role to account two. We can also assume an administrator role into account three. And the cool part about this is that you don't have to go back into the SSO portal in order to access these different accounts. And depending on how you set up your SSO directory, these access tokens can last for about a workday. So essentially, your developers can just sign into the SSO portal once a day and have access to all of your AWS accounts for the entire workday without having to sign in again. And in addition to the authentication workflow, we've added a few commands uh, related to AWS SSO. So the first one is the configure SSO command. What this is gonna do is set up a CLI profile for you that's linked to your SSO manage account and role. There's also the SSO login command. This, initial, this uh, initiates the authentication process. So the command will open a browser on your behalf you type in your username and password, and once you've run this command, you can then access your accounts. And finally, there's the SSO logout command. So this logs you out of your SSO account and clears any cache credentials you may have. And of course, these are all V2-only features. So now I'm gonna hand it over to James again, and he's gonna demo these SSO commands. Thanks, Kyle. So in the previous demo, we looked at setting up CLI v2 on a Linux instance, and now we're gonna look at how we can set this up on a local developer laptop. So now I'm on uh, my MacBook here, my developer laptop, and 
To save time, I've already installed the CLI v2. We can see here we're on Mac. As Kyle mentioned, it's largely the same process for installing on Linux and Mac, so I've already got that configured. But I don't have any credentials cr configured for the CLI v2 on my MacBook. So I'm going to walk through how we can use SSO to set that up. So to start, I don't have anything in my CLI config. This is just a clean install. What I want to do is use SSO, and I'll use that configuration command that Kyle mentioned. So if I run configure SSO, what's going to happen is I'm going to be guided through a couple of questions that's going to ask me how I want to set up SSO. So the first thing it's going to do is ask me for the start URL. So this is typically the start URL that you'll have to get from whoever the administrator is of your SSO directory. So I'll go ahead and enter mine here. Next, it's going to ask for the region. So in my case, it's in US West 2. And so now what's going to happen, it's going to open a browser for us. And if you notice here, it's asking us to go to this page here and then enter this code, for, enter this code in the browser. And we've, the CLI has already done that for us and pre-filled that code, and now it's asking me to log in. So this is just a normal login for whatever company directory I might have. I'm going to go ahead and log in. And now it's going to ask me if I want to sign into the CLI v2. And notice here, the CLI is just pulling. It's waiting for us to finish this browser workflow. So what I'm going to do is go back to the browser and just select sign into the CLI, and then I can go on to the next steps of configuration. So I'll click Sign On. And now we can see you've gone on to the next step. So it's showing me what accounts I have access to. These are separate AWS accounts. So you can see I have access to the CLI team, James team, and Python team. So I'm going to set up a couple of CLI profiles for the accounts that I have access to. So I'll select the CLI team here. And then as Kyle mentioned, within an account, there are different roles. So you pick what role you want to associate with the CLI profile. In this case, I'll pick the view only access role. It's going to ask me a region here. I'll provide US West 2. I'll select the default output format. And then it's going to ask me for a profile name. In this case, I'll just call it View CLI Team. Once I do that, it'll give me a sample command I can use to verify that everything works correctly. And I'll go ahead and run this. We can see now that I have access to the S3 buckets in this team's account. So now what I want to do is set up another CLI profile. So I'll run through the same process again and run configure SSO. I'll enter the same start URL, same region. But notice this time I didn't have to go through the browser workflow. That's because I'm already logged in. My token is still valid. And so now I can just start configuring whatever profiles I want. So I'll do one more. I'll set this up for the AWS SDK for Python team. And again, I have a number of roles that are available to me. In this case, they happen to be the same names, but I'm going to select a view only access role. And then it's going to ask me the same question, so I'll just go through these. US West 2, the default output format. And then for this one, I'll call this view Python team. And it gives me a sample command as well. So if I run this, I'm now looking at the S3 buckets in a different account, which we expect to have a different set of S3 buckets. We see that we have the Python team here, and just to show you again, with the CLI team, we have access to a different set of S3 buckets. So I'm able to access these different accounts in the CLI. Also, if I look at the config file now, you can see that it's configured everything for me. I didn't have to know the configuration keys. I didn't have to manually edit this file. It was able to set everything up for me. And at this point, I can start using the AWS CLI like I normally would. Now, there are two other commands that Kyle mentioned. There was the logout and the login command. Normally, I don't have to explicitly log out. The token does eventually expire. But if for some reason I wanted to explicitly log out, I could run the SSO logout command. 
And what this is gonna do is make any of the profiles I have no longer work until I log back in again. So what would happen is I would come in the next day, in the morning, and run this SSO login command, and I would give it a profile name. Let's say view Python team. And what this is gonna do is go through that browser workflow again. So I'll run this command, it'll bring me back to my SSO page, I need to log in here. And I'll say that I want to sign into the CLI. And now at this point, I'm signed in. So then I can rerun that S3 command again, and I can run one for both the CLI team as well as the Python team, because once I've logged into my SSO directory, I now have access to any of the profiles associated with that start URL. So at this point, I'm all set, I'm ready to go, and I can start using the CLI v2 on Mac. I'm gonna hand it back to Kyle now, and he's just gonna recap what we've gone over in this section. Thanks, James. So let's go ahead and recap the new features we've added related to installation and configuration. So we first talked about the new uh, installers we have for V2. We have the executable installer for Mac and Linux and the Windows MSI installer. Uh, we talked about how you can use the configure wizard command to go ahead and help set up your CLI environment. And then James demoed uh, how you can get started using SSO and its uh, uh, configure SSO command to create a profile and the SSO login to go ahead and sign into the portal and get uh, AWS temporary credentials back. So now let's go ahead and move on to the second category, improvements related to command input and output. So in terms of the new features related to command IO, here are the few that we wanted to highlight today. So in terms of improvements, We've improved our autocompleter. Specifically, we added support for AWS resource value completion. Uh, we've added better support for YAML in terms of input and output to the CLI v2. And also, we've made some paging improvements related to adding a new output format that will uh, stream responses to standard out as they come into the CLI v2. And also, we've added uh, behavior where if the CLI command output is larger than your terminal screen, We'll redirect it to a pager such as less to make it a little bit easier to read and follow. So starting with a re, uh, auto completion, uh, in order to get the auto completer working with the CLI v2, you need to run this command, complete-c AWS2 completer AWS2. And this AWS2 completer executable is shipped inside the executable installer and will live right next to your AWS2 executable in your bin directory when you run the installer. So now once I have the autocompleter set up, I can go ahead and start autocompleting commands. So if I type dy for the service command here and hit tab, I'll get autocomplete uh, suggesting DynamoDB and DynamoDB streams as potential service commands to use. There's also uh, autocompletion for operation commands. So now if I type delete and hit tab, it'll return all the DynamoDB operation commands that start with delete. So delete backup, delete item, and delete table. We also get parameter completions. So if you hit tab here, it'll autocomplete the table name. So this is all functionality available in V1. It's also available in V2. So for V2, the new feature is that we'll also autocomplete resource values for you. So if you hit tab here, when you specify the table name value, 
it returns you all your DynamoDB tables. And the way the AWS CLI v2 is doing this is under the hood, it's running a DynamoDB list tables call to populate this auto-suggestion list. And uh, we're able to do this by having completion models representing what operations needed to be called in order to populate these auto-suggestion values. And on top of that enhancement, we've also uh, made smaller enhancements to the completers. So we now use a cache index to make it faster. And all these modeled, com these modeled completions, they're all auto-generated. So if there is a new service of new resource types, we'll be able to generate a new completion model for you so you can get auto-completion for these new resource types. And today, there, uh, in CLIV2, there's over 5,000 different completions for resources available. So now moving on to YAML format. Uh, if you run the, the ABIS CLI with the default configuration like this, you'll get JSON output back. And this is synonymous with running the command with the dash dash output and JSON value. So now with CLI v2, we support YAML as an output format. And when you run this command now, it'll print out a YAML document. And the reason why we added this is YAML is a little bit easier to read. It's also more functional. Uh, specifically, you can add comments in YAML. You can also support more types that JSON wouldn't be able to support, such as binary. And James will dive a little bit more into the input side of things uh, later in the demos. Uh, furthermore, the AWS CLI v2 also supports the old v1 style of output formats, such as table and text as well. So now moving on to the final point, paging improvements. So there's two points I wanted to bring up here. We've added a new output format that will output API responses to standard out as they're streamed in. And also we've added behavior where if the CLI command output is larger than your terminal screen, it'll redirect to a pager so you can then uh, view it in a pager. So let's go ahead and talk about this new output format. So if you run this CLI command here, the EC2 describe snapshots command, it's likely that you're not actually just making one API call. Really, you're making multiple API calls to complete this command. And that's because this command is, or this operation is paginated where in order to get the full list of snapshots available, you need to make multiple requests and get multiple responses back to complete this full list. And the CLI will do this auto-pagination on your behalf. So to illustrate how this all works, um, while this command's running, the CLI will make the first request to get the first page of snapshots from EC2's API. And EC2's API will indicate in its response whether if there's more snapshots to be returned. And if there are, the CLI will make another request to get your next page of snapshots. And it'll continue making these requests until uh, EC2 indicates there's no more snapshots to be described. From there, what the CLI will do is build up an entire list in memory of, of these snapshots to return back to standard out. And while this is really convenient, because you don't have to do the pagination yourself and you get the entire list back, there are some downsides with this approach. Specifically, there's a longer feedback loop in order to be able to start looking at the data coming back from EC2. Also, if you have a lot of resources in your account, it could, it could potentially consume a significant amount of memory. 
And to address some of these downsides, we added a new output format, YAML stream. And the idea of YAML stream is as these responses are coming back, they'll be streamed to standard out. So looking at the responses, uh, the CLI will immediately print out the first response coming back from this paginated operation. So it will also print out the second one and also the third one. And when you combine it with the fact that we're redirecting this output to a pager, it becomes really powerful because immediately as these responses are coming back, you can use the built-in pager functionality to go ahead and search through the data and see, try to find what you're looking for. And if you find something and realize, I don't need to paginate anymore, you can just simply quit out of your pager and it'll immediately stop the pagination process for you so you don't have to wait for the entire pagination process to complete. So now I'm gonna hand it over to James and he's gonna demo some of these features that I just talked about. Thanks, Kyle. So I'm gonna go back on this EC2 instance here and I'm gonna walk through some of the stuff that Kyle showed in this last section. So the first thing we're gonna look at is the autocompleter. Now to set that up, as Kyle mentioned, you run this complete command with AWS2 completer. At this point, I should have autocomplete all set up. So I can autocomplete service names. I can autocomplete command names. And then I can also autocomplete parameter names here. Now, what we've added in CLI v2 is the ability to autocomplete resource names as well. So if I hit tab here, you can see that it's actually making an API call and autocompleting the list of users I have available. And I can type a prefix here and have that autocomplete for me. Now, this also applies to other services as well. There's a number of auto-completions for various services. So I can run the same thing for, say, DynamoDB. And if I'm wanting to describe a table, I can auto-complete the names of tables. So in this case, I'll select my table and see the output here. <clears throat> now, this also shows one of the other things we've changed in the CLI v2. It's pretty subtle, but I think it makes a big difference, it's really helpful, and that's that when the page or the output exceeds one page, we automatically pipe it to a pager for you. So a lot of times if you had a lot of output, you'd have to scroll all the way back up to the top to see what your output is. Now we handle that for you, and if it is gonna exceed a page, it's piped to a pager here. So then I can look through the data here and see this is the output of my table. Now we can also change the output format. As Kyle mentioned, we made a number of improvements to the output formats in the CLI v2 to try to integrate YAML in a number of places. So instead of seeing this output in JSON, if I wanted to see YAML, I could run output YAML, and this is gonna give me the same data, but again, formatted as YAML. And this applies to any of the built-in commands in the CLI. I can use output YAML to see my data formatted as YAML. Now, one of the other things we changed or improved on is the ability to provide YAML for input. So in the CLI v1 today, if I wanted to specify a number of parameters. Instead of having to specify them on the command line, for example, with update table, I would have to provide table name and all the other parameters that I want. There's a feature where I can run this generate CLI skeleton. And what this is gonna do is create a JSON file for me. So what normally you would do in the CLI v1 is you could take this and save it to a file, and then open this in an editor, and then go through and modify this document however you want. You can notice here these are just dummy values here, placeholder values. And what I would do is just go through and fill in, fill in these values here. And once I've done that, then there's a corresponding input argument where I can run the same command and now provide a CLI input JSON and a path to this file here. 
and then it would update the table based on whatever parameters in that document. So in, uh, in addition to JSON, for CLI v2, we also support that same workflow for YAML. So what I can do is for this generate CLI skeleton, I can now provide a new parameter here that's YAML input. What this is gonna do is provide or create a YAML document for me, and I'll save that to a file and open it up in an editor. And so what we can see here is it's a YAML document, and we've added a couple of other things here. We've added a comment for each parameter to give you a little bit extra context about what the parameter is. This is actually the first sentence from the documentation for each parameter. We've also denoted which things are required or not, and then for some cases where they're enums like this billing mode, we also provide what the valid values are here. So if I wanted to walk through uh, an example of using this, let's take a look at that describe call again for my table. If we, if we notice something, uh, there's a provision throughput here of 15 and 15 on my table, but we also have this GSI, this global secondary index, and the uh, capacity here is five and five. So let's say that we wanted to update that and we wanted to match what the provision throughput is of the table. And so rather than specify all those parameters on, as a CLI parameter, we can use this input JSON document. So what I'll do is I'll open that document back up again, and I'll go ahead and walk through setting that up. So the first thing I'll do is just delete the stuff that I don't need. So all of this stuff I won't need, and I just need the table name here, and the name of the index. And then I'll update this to match 15 and 15 here. So at this point, I have a document that represents the changes I wanted to make. I didn't have to update uh, any of these additional parameters that I didn't want. I can also share this document with other people if they want to see what parameters to use for a CLI command. And then now, to run that, I can just run this CLI. Instead of um, input JSON, there's a new input YAML. So I run this CLI input YAML file, or command, and what this is gonna do is use that input document for the parameters. So it ran that command, and again, you can see it's automatically sending me to a pager. And one of the things that I'm noticing here is that I actually have JSON output, and let's say that I really like the YAML output and I want that as my default. So what I can do is still use the configure command to set what my default output is. So I'll just do that real quick. I'll run configure set output YAML. And so now if I run that describe table, call again, I don't have to provide this output YAML, it's just gonna be the default. So if I do that, we can see that now our global secondary index has matched our capacity of the tables up to 15, so we're able to update that. Okay, now one other thing that I wanted to show is the improvements to our paging. So. I'm gonna run a command here and show you what you would normally see in CLI v1. And for this example, I'll switch over to S3. And if I run a list objects command here, one thing I wanna show is when I run this, there's gonna be a couple seconds delay as this is running as it aggregates all of the pages in this bucket for me to show me one final result. So you see that took several seconds, right? And this is a fairly small bucket size. And now I can page through all of this and I can see you know, the beginning of the keys here and I can hit uh, capital G to go all the way to the bottom and see final values here all the way at the bottom. Now, one of the improvements we made again was this YAML stream. So I can rerun this command here with YAML stream. And what this is gonna do is start outputting 
to a pager immediately as soon as it gets that first page of results. So it should be a little bit quicker because we're only retrieving one page at a time. And what's nice here is this content represents a new page. So in my pager, if I search for that, it's not until I hit end to go to that next search, you can see there's a little bit of a delay there, that it then retrieves the next page. So it's on demand here. So if I don't need to retrieve all my pages, it just does it one at a time until I've consumed all of the content for a particular page here. And so if I'm searching for something and I don't remember exactly what it is and I still want to see structured data, I can just search for, say, my file. And it'll go through the pages to find it and I can say, oh yeah, it's this file. It was modified um, earlier today. And then at that point, if I hit Q to get out of it, it's not going through any more paging and I don't have to waste any resources uh, creating pages that I'm not gonna look at. Okay, so that was just an overview of some of the things that Kyle mentioned in the slides here. And to recap, what we showed was how the CLI v2 has some improvements to the autocompleter. So we looked at how we can do resource-based autocompletion. We also looked at some of the improvements to YAML throughout various places in the CLI, both in terms of the new output format, both in terms of the documents that you can provide as CLI input, and then we looked at some improvements to the streaming output that also included this new YAML stream that should make things a little bit more efficient and responsive in the CLI. And of course, throughout that, as I was running commands, we saw that it was outputting commands to, uh, out, uh, putting the output to a pager so that I didn't have to scroll back if the output exceeded one page. And that brings us to the last section, which is interactive features. Now, when you think about CLI v1, it was really designed for a programmatic or automated kind of purpose. So that was, you know, you were able to write various shell scripts and commands to automate various things in AWS, and we really tried to make sure that that was possible. Now, in CLI v2, one of the things we wanted to um, look at is when you're at your laptop or um, your dev machine and you're running CLI commands interactively, right? If you look at how the CLI and AWS in general has grown, at this point, we have over 200 top-level CLI commands, which roughly corresponds to over 200 services. We have over 6,000 total CLI commands or operations, which maps to over 37,000 CLI parameters. So there are a lot of things that we have in the CLI. And we wanted to look at, for CLI v2, how we can help users. Now, there's a couple of things that we added into the CLI v2 to help make this easier. And instead of going through them in the slides, I'll just go right back to a demo and show you some of the improvements that we've made for CLI v2. <coughs> so <coughs> there's two things that I want to share for interactive features for the CLI. The first one is this wizards functionality that we added. So in the web console today, Whenever you go to a service page, there's typically some getting started workflows that will guide you through creating whatever new resources for that service, right? It asks you a couple of questions and preferences, and then it'll set some things up for you. And in the CLI v2, we've added similar functionality. And the way you access that is through this wizards command. So what you would do is you would provide the service that you want, and then there's wizard, and then for any service that has these wizards, there's gonna be names of them it's for various wizards. In this case, I'm gonna run a wizard for this new table command. This is creating a new table for DynamoDB. And what this is gonna do is ask me a number of questions similar to what you would see in the console. 
um, that asks me how I want to configure the table. So the first thing it's going to ask me is the name of the table. So I'll provide a name here. Let's just call it test table. Now it's going to ask me the name of the primary key. And then it's going to ask me the primary key type. So I can keep answering these questions. And as I go along, depending on how I want to configure my table, I'll just say that I want a string type. I don't want a sort key. And now it's going to ask me about read-write capacity mode. So I can pick provision if I know what my workload is going to be and I have it fairly predictable, or select on-demand to have DynamoDB handle that for me. So I'll select provisioned and then enter what I want for my read and write capacity. We'll select five and five here. And finally, it will ask me what server-side encryption settings I want for my DynamoDB table, and I'll just select default for now. So at that point, it's created the table for me. We can actually take a look at it and can you use the autocomplete we saw in the previous demo here, or describe table. And we should see it come up here as test table one. If we take a look at this output, we can see that it matches what we entered. We had a primary key here of foo, which is a string type. We have read and write capacity of five, and just the default encryption settings. And once you get the hang of using these wizards, even if you know the parameters that you want to provide to, say, a create table command, it can still be more efficient to use these wizards because it does save you a bit of typing. So for example, if I was going to do this again, and let's say that we wanted to create another table, call it test table two with foo, and then let's say that we wanted a sort key, and we'll call it bar, that's a number, and then we want provision throughput of five and five. And let's say in this case, I actually want to use a customer managed CMK. So one of the other things that uh, these wizards will do is also show you different values you have in your account. So in this case, if I wanted to use a KMS key, it will make a query and show me what KMS keys I have available. And in this case, I can select that I want to use this DynamoDB key for this table. And then now that it's created that key, I can describe my table again. <clears throat> and see that in this case, it matches what I provided, right? You have foo as my hash key, bar as my range key, my provision throughput matches, and then it's also put the KMS master key on here. Now, there's a number of other wizards here in the CLI, and we want to continue to add more wizards. There's a few for IM, and there's one for Lambda. So I recommend trying it out and let us know what you think about these new wizards. That was the first interactive feature. And so the last thing that I want to show you is one of the improvements we recently made when it comes to entering the CLI parameters themselves. So this is a little bit lower level of abstraction in terms of the wizards, but let's say that I wanted to enter, uh, I wanted to run a CLI command and I know the name of the command here. I can use autocomplete, but I don't necessarily know the parameters and I want a little bit of help uh, entering various parameters for this command. So for any of the built-in CLI commands, there's this new feature where you can run CLI autoprompt. What this is gonna do is ask me various questions about the parameters that I want to provide. So if I run this, the first thing it's gonna do is go through all of the required parameters for this command. And in this case, for create user, there's only one, it's username. So if I create a user, we'll call it James. Now it's gonna give me a list here and says, here's all the optional parameters. And again, we're giving you the type, so I can see that the path is a string, and then also the first sentence of documentation just to give me a little bit of context about what this parameter is. So in this case, let's say that we'll do one more, we'll select path, and I can say that this path is foo and bar. And notice when I go back, it removes the parameter and then it shows me a couple of other options here. Here's the remaining parameters here. Once I'm done, I can go to done with parameter input. And it gives me two options. I can either print the CLI command if I'm using this in a script and I just wanted to figure out what command to run. And from here, you know, I can copy it and 
paste it into my script or just run it directly. Or if I want, I can actually have this command just run the command, or I can have this thing run the command for me. So do that again and say run the command. And we can see here that it has created the command for me. So th those are just a couple of features for CLI v2 to help improve on the interactive use case when you're running commands on a dev machine here. And now I'm going to hand it back to Kyle, and he's going to wrap up and cover some of the thing, uh, recap some of the things that we covered today. Thanks, James. So let's go ahead and wrap this session up. Uh, so to recap some of the important points that I hope you walk away with today, uh, the AWS CLI v2, it's the next major version of the AWS CLI. It's currently in developer preview, so we recommend downloading it, installing it, and trying it out, and giving us feedback about it, uh, specifically about any of the new features we have, any uh, ideas for features we can add to the V2. Um, you can, uh, in order to give us feedback, I'd recommend going to our GitHub repository and just opening an issue there and posting any comments that you see on the existing issue. Uh, and then in terms of the features that we talked about, uh, there's three categories. There's improvements related to installation and configuration through the new installers, the configure wizard command, and also how we have supported AWS SSO as a credential source. In terms of command improvements, uh, I talked about how the, we, ha we were able to do AWS resource value completion with the autocompleter, how we support uh, YAML in our input and output, and also uh, how we redirect uh, command output to a pager if it's larger than your terminal screen. And finally, we made the CLI v2 more interactive using wizards and the CLI autoprompt. So here are a few links that I would recommend checking out after this talk. The first one is the V2 user guide. This will have instructions on how to download and install the CLI V2. Um, it'll have a list of all the new features we've added for V2, along with the migration guide. So this will list all the backwards incompatible changes we've made, and then give you options in terms of how to mitigate it if you're trying to migrate from V1 to V2. Uh, the second link is to our GitHub repository. This is where you can go to give us feedback about any of the features we talked about. And the final link is to our developer blog. So in between now and we, when we make database CLI v2 generally available, we'll make any big announcements in this blog post. So make sure you follow that. So with that being said, we really hope you enjoyed this talk and got a lot out of it. Thank you. <laughs>